Good morning. How are you guys? How are you guys? That was better. There's a lot to be thankful for. Lots to be thankful for. I'm thankful that you guys are here. I believe wholeheartedly that you're here on purpose. I was reminded again this week that there's not really coincidences, just happy blessings. There's a moment where something happened to happen, and I could not think of a way that could have been more purposeful for it to happen that way. That is beyond my power, beyond my knowledge, but it was, it was a gift. And I believe that that is what this moment is as well, is that there was an invitation in your heart this morning to come here, and it is my hope and prayer that whatever God has for you, that you would be open to it. My name is Dylan Meyer. I'm the director of student ministries here, and I would like to draw your attention to this fancy piece of paper right here. This is a worship guide, and so like Jack said, there's a thing on the bottom, a connect card. We would love for you to fill that out. Um, if you're new here, if you've been here forever, if you want to fill that out and it's perforated, tear it off at the bottom, drop it in a box, or take it out to our welcome center, bring it up to me. I'd love to meet you. Any one of those many options sounds fantastic. But what I want to draw your attention to also is this big space with all the lines on it. This is an opportunity for you to take down sermon notes. And so I bring this to your attention for one reason. I want you to write down there whatever it is that God has for you today. If God speaks a word to you that never comes out of my mouth, perfect, write that down. He has something for you. Let that be a blessing to you. And if you want to write that down, write that down. If you're not a person that writes, that's fine. It is only my hope that we are connected and engaged with Christ today and encounter Him in a new way. That is my hope. Which has been a blessing for me because it is another thing that I am thankful for is that I have been learning leaps and bounds the last couple weeks we've been diving into this series the power of together and it has been such a blessing for God to show me things that I did not know week one when we dove in and and Brian told us all about um, the way that the spirit interacts within the trinity and is alive and active and all that he does that was such a blessing It was so amazing to see the way that the Spirit moves. And then he moved right in in week two and we talked about how the Spirit moves within us as individuals and that was amazing. And then we rolled right into week three where we celebrated how the Spirit launched Pentecost through all of us and launched the church. That was awesome. And I've been learning how the Spirit is at work within me, renovating my heart. And that's what we're gonna talk about today is how God renovates our heart through the work of the Spirit. Because, I don't know about you guys, but I am now very familiar with renovations as almost a whole year as a a homeowner, there is always something that needs to be done. And I was chuckling at my wife yesterday because she looked at me and she she said words I thought she'd never say. She says, I kind of miss having a project. (laughs) Are you crazy? (laughs) And I chuckled because I started a project two weeks ago and it's still not finished. So she doesn't have much to miss. It's there. But that project has taught me something. 
the fact that it, has un, it is still undone has spoken something to me. I can be in the right place at the right time with every tool I need, but if I do not choose to take action, it will never change. You see, because I'm supposed to be renovating a closet so that I can actually use a closet, and I have all the tools I need. I love my tools. And I have the time, I have the space, and it's at home, and I'm there frequently, so it's not like it's hard to get to. But if I don't ever choose to pick up those tools and use them, if I don't ever choose to take action, if I don't ever choose to be part of that renovation, it won't get done. And that's what we're going to read about today in James, is that we have a part to play in the way that Christ is renovating our hearts through the work of his spirit, the way that he is crafting our faith, the way that he ignites us into action through the things that we believe and we know in our hearts. That's what we're going to talk about today. We need to choose to be a part of the renovation. And I promise it's worth it. So if you guys would turn with me to James chapter 2, a little setup. James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem at this time. He's writing this letter to the dispersed churches. So there has been persecution, and because of that, many of the Christians have scattered. So Jerusalem was kind of the central hub, and so he's still got some people there, but there's lots of people that have scattered and dispersed. And he's writing to those people. And this letter, he speaks almost all the way through about the heart. He speaks to the heart. I love that. And one of the reasons I wonder if he did, if he did that is because James would have needed a change of heart. Because I, I, I know that James is the brother of Jesus. And for those of you that have siblings, it would have taken a, a serious change of heart to, for me to look at my brother and believe that when he tells me he's the Messiah, okay, Maybe he is. That would have taken a change of heart to me, for me, to, to believe that of my brother. And, and we see in Scripture that maybe James didn't believe at first, but now he is all in. And he's writing this letter to the churches. And he's going to talk about faith. And he set this up He's already mentioned in, in chapter one that we are to be hearers of the word, but also doers. Not just one, but both. And so he's going to encourage us as he was encouraging the churches into action. Not just to listen to the word, but to do something about it. And so he's going to continue to speak to the heart of that matter. And so listen for what God has for you in this James says, starting in verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, 
and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person? He must not be talking to me. I'm not. You foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works, not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out by the other way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Faith without action, James argues, is maybe no faith at all. And this brings some tension in me, because I don't know about you guys, but I've heard people talk about how Paul says that we are saved by faith and by faith alone. And so these seem to be contradictory. This creates some tension, because James says works, Paul says faith. I would like to encourage you, this is not an either-or scenario. This is a both-and. We are saved by faith. But what James is saying is that true faith inspires action. We are saved by faith, but a faith that is real inspires the overflow of the heart to pour out in our lives. If we are filled with the Spirit, like we've been talking about, if we are walking in relationship with Christ, shouldn't that be something that radiates from us, that is seen, that is observable, that overflows from our hearts in such an amazing way? Isn't that what faith is supposed to be? Yes, we are saved by faith. Absolutely. And that faith inspires action from within and moves out. See, we were created to move with the Spirit and be moved by the Spirit. He has given us tools. He has equipped us and He has inspired us with His very presence. That should engage us to move with Him, not to just watch Him go. And that's what we see in verses 14 through 19 is Jesus, James rather, is speaking to the churches about what it is to have true faith, to believe and to act upon that. And then he moves in in verses 20 through 25 and he talks about these two people from the Old Testament, these legends of faith, if you will. And I'm so glad that he picks these people because he talks about Abraham, the father of faith. And he is counted as righteous because he believed and then his action completed his faith. That is so amazing and so encouraging that, that our faith and obedience can produce something of blessing the same way that Abraham pl- produced blessing in his faith. But there's sometimes I think I relate to the second much more. You see, Rahab was not 
the father of the Jewish people. She was not even a Jew herself. She was a resident of Jericho and a prostitute at that. Someone of little to no meeting in, in society. She had no status. She was of not a high class. And yet, she is counted as a friend of God because of her faith. That is such an encouragement to me because I am not all that in a bag of chips. But I can be a friend of God simply through active faith. That is so good. Because faith without action is dead. Because what we do is representative of who we are. Has anybody ever come up to meet you and asked you what you do for a living? What's your career? What's your lifestyle? Or for you kids, what sport are you involved in? What classes are you studying? What do you do with your time? What are they really asking? Who are you? And so if I say that I spend my time on things of faith, shouldn't that mean that I have faith? You see, what we do is representative of who we are. And so if we have faith, shouldn't that faith be seen in everything that we do? Again, as an overflow of who we are. Seems pretty good, right? Do you feel inspired to action? I feel like James is really to the point here. We have faith. We should use it. It seems simple. But sometimes when it's that simple, my brain is like, well, how? Because life is complex. There's things that are weird. And again, for those of you that do renovations, there's always that one tool that is only used one time for that one thing. And that's what my brain automatically jumps to. Not, not the multi-purpose multi tool, but that, that one weird coincidence, that thing. So how are we supposed to step in action with this faith? It seems simple, but is it more complicated? I have good news. Jesus left us the perfect example. You see, Jesus' life was an example for us to follow. The way that he lived in step with the Spirit, using the power of the Spirit and the strength of the Spirit and everything that he did, that was an example for us to follow, to live and to walk with the Spirit in all that we do. The way that he constantly sought after the will of God and was obedient to the voice of the Father, that is an example for us to follow, that we would seek his will and then do it. The way that he pursued the mission and the will of God in all things. That, that is our example. That is our instruction manual. That we would look at the life of Jesus and know that if we have this faith, the action of that looks like this. If we have the faith of Christ, we will do the things that Jesus does. We will go to the places that he would go and speak to the people that he loved. But that takes discipline to do that, right? There is a discipline in meeting with God to understand what his will is. There's a step before that we need to know. James talks about being hearers and doers of the word. We have to hear first. 
And there are disciplines for this, and there's a few of them that I'm going to bring to mind here that are ways that we can connect with God, ways that we can engage with Him so that we know His will. We know what He wants us to do so then we can go do it, inspired by that faith. Because the way that God speaks to us shapes us. And again, just like James is saying, it shapes us in the very deepest part of ourself, our heart. And that is what has to be shaped first. God forms us from the inside out. That's on purpose. Because the foundation level has to be strong. Again, back to a renovation. If the foundation is weak, it doesn't matter how pretty it looks on top, it's going to crumble and fall. And so God has to shape us to our very core first. Then we can take that faith and go. The heart has to be right. Then we can take and look at the gifts that he has given us and put them to work. Because a stray heart will misuse even the greatest of gifts. And I know that I am guilty of that. How dare I take the gifts of God and use them for the work of the devil? How dare I be that person? God, shape me in my heart that I never do that again. That is our responsibility to seek him, to be shaped by him. And there's several ways that we can do that. One of them, prayer. I love saying this. Prayer is a conversation, but the thing about conversations is they're two-sided. There's speaking and there's listening. That's what prayer is. We ask God and then we listen to hear what he has to say. We have to listen. I think it's also important that we know who we're talking to. It's not like we're just adding things to our grocery list when we come to him. We are speaking to the creator of the universe. Shouldn't we treat him that way? And thank goodness that we should because the things that I come to God with are problems that I cannot solve. I need a big God. I need a God that is strong. I need that. I should treat him as if he is so. And then when he speaks, I should listen. I think it's important to know, too, that sometimes we need to listen, not look. Sometimes I pray, and then I look, and I look, and I look for what God is saying. I should listen for what he is speaking. Because even a man that cannot see can hear the voice of God. And we listen. And I'm going to be honest, the first couple times we do it, it feels weird. I don't know if you guys have ever prayed and then sat in silence for five minutes. That is the strangest feeling ever. Praying and not saying a word feels weird. And the first time I did it, I was like, what am I even doing? Listening. And God will teach us to hear his voice. And it might look different. Maybe we'll learn to listen with our hearts. 
Another way that we are shaped is by the words of God through his scripture. And so I'm gonna invite, invite you guys into a space in this moment where I'm gonna read a scripture a couple times. But I want us to approach it a little bit differently. I'm gonna read James chapter 2, 14 through 19. And if it is helpful for you to follow along, feel free to do that. If the words are going to be a distraction, I would encourage you just to listen. Close your eyes if that's what's most comfortable. The point here is not to hear the words, but to know the God that is saying them. So the first time I read this, I want you to listen for a single phrase. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Just a phrase. And then we're going to let that sit for a second before I read it a second time. Okay? James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone ha says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for their body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. second time. This time, I would like you to listen for a single word. And we'll let it sit before we read it the last time. Just one word. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Now I'm gonna read this one last time. And this time, I want you to listen for an image, a picture in your mind. It doesn't have to be a word anymore. Let God speak to you in that. What good is it, my brothers, 
If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well, good for you. Even the demons believe and shudder. revealed to you but as we continue to seek his voice as we become comfortable in listening for what he has to say he will shape our hearts in that and the good news is he's not limited to just words let him speak to us in words. Let him speak to us in images. Let him say whatever he has to say for our hearts. And I pray that that sinks in. And I hope we make a practice of coming into his presence to listen. To learn to listen for his voice. That we know our good shepherd when we hear him. Because when he shapes our heart, then we are ready to step into action. To take that faith with a heart formed only for God and to step into something that moves from our head to our hearts to our hands. Something that moves outward, that overflows from us. Then we can step into service. But again, the heart is absolutely necessary that we would do that with the right heart, that it be for God, not so that I can pat myself on the back and receive accommodation. That's not what it's for. The heart of faith is that we do it for the same reasons that Christ would have done it. And he gave us very simple instructions. Love God and love others. Is that not worth our time, our effort, and our energy to serve him in that way? to love him and to love the people that he created and that he loves. And then we have the opportunity to take that and to come together and to take all of our tools, all of our gifts and all of our hearts and combine them into one body that is the church. What a blessing is that, that we can come here to be guided by each other. The way that God speaks through each of us can be a blessing in the life of another. And thank goodness for that. And there is such blessing in that. There is such blessing in coming together with people that will hold me accountable to what I say I want to be. If I come and say I want to be a man that seeks after God's heart with all that I am, it is my expectation that the blessing be that you would hold me to that. And there is such good in that. Such good in the, in the wisdom that some of you have to guide somebody like me. I don't know everything. I know that's a shocker. 
But I need the wisdom that you have. I need to know the ways that God has spoken to you so that I can learn to listen for him. I need to know the ways that God has spoken in your life and called you into action so that you can help me seek action in my own life. That is the blessing of the church, that we would come together and be shaped together for the sake of the mission, for the sake of the church, for the sake of God and his heart. Because that's what we're seeking. And there is such blessing in that. And then we can rejoice in that. Because something we get to do together is worship. And that is such a good thing. Somebody really wise once told me that worship is a pattern of revelation and response. God reveals himself to us and then we respond to him. And I hope and pray that that is something that I do with every second and every breath that I have. That I wake up in the morning on Monday morning and I'm eating yogurt and granola and I do that in worship of God. But there is something uniquely special about the way that we get to do that here together. Because I love yogurt and granola. But the way that we worship here as a body filled with the Spirit with all of our gifts and all of our hearts pouring out to tell God how amazing He is in response to how He's revealed His heart to us, that is something that is special. And I hope that is something that we all long for. You see, there are ways that we can discipline ourselves 